What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, who's currently sponsored by Connexus Credit Union. My name is Mitch, and I'm one of your regular hosts that you hear every single week next to my pals Kyle and Boozy. This episode, however, I will be joined by CEO and founder of Paper Street Pictures. He is a writer, director, and producer behind such films like Camera Obscura, Scare Package, and the upcoming horror western The Pale Door. He is also the executive producer behind the Terror Table favorite, Starry Eyes, from 2014, which was directed by the Pet Cemetery team, Dennis Widmeyer and Kevin Kelsch. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome my friend Aaron B. Kuntz all the way from Austin, Texas this week to be able to discuss his top five lesser known alien invasion films. We begin this conversation by talking about the effects that COVID-19 has had on Aaron and his other filmmaking colleagues. We also discuss how us fans could potentially help those artists who dedicate their lives to entertaining us by making horror movies. And seriously, it gives me hope knowing that there are people out there like Aaron. Some of you may be thinking that I may be saying this because, but we have him on the show, blah, blah, blah. But seriously, like all bullshit aside, Aaron B. Koontz is one of us and he's out there making original horror movies. He's putting his entire heart into every single second of it. And I'm so grateful that I was able to sit down for an hour and a half and talk about horror movies with Aaron. This was honestly one of the highlights for me during these strange and uncertain times. And I'm really hoping that you guys find it enjoyable as well. I'm personally always searching for those people who you can listen to, who you can just tell just love movies because it's just simply in their DNA. And I hope we scratch that itch for you guys like on a weekly basis. But Aaron is one of those guys that just he just fucking loves movies and he's just a great guy and he's out there making them for us. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. But before all that, I want to remind you guys that we are nearing the end of our Alien Invasion series. We'll be closing that up this week with Kyle's pick, Annihilation. That episode will still be posted as usual on Tuesday, so it's only going to be a short few days from now. And then after that, we're going to be delving into a month-long retrospective of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So you know how excited that makes me. If you've listened to the show at all, you know I'm a huge fucking Nightmare on Elm Street fan, so I am incredibly excited. If for some reason you haven't yet, follow us on on, on all social medias. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can find us at the Terror Table on all of those platforms. We're active on all of those things, and we try to keep it updated. We try to keep the conversation on horror at all times. And uh, we've been posting some really exciting things, trying to get you guys excited for what we have in store. For you. And while you're there, you may as well follow Aaron B. Kuntz on Twitter and Instagram. You can find him at Aaron B. Kuntz on both of those platforms. You can also follow Paper Street Pictures on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to check out Aaron Paper Street Pictures' new podcast, the Paper Street Podcast. You can find that on any platform that updates podcasts. So go and check that out. There's three episodes out now, and we discuss something that Aaron's got coming up on uh, one of the upcoming episodes that ties into this conversation. So I'm really excited to hear that. But until then, enjoy this conversation with Aaron B. Kuntz, where we talk about his top five favorite lesser-known alien invasion films. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. All right, Aaron B. Kuntz, welcome back to the Terror Table. How have you been, man? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. It's uh, last time we had you on. You were in Saskatoon, and you were showing Scare Package, your your new film. One of your one of your later films. 
Yeah, no, it was uh, a lot of fun. It was great to meet you all and hang out in your wonderful little town. And uh, I had I had a blast being there, and I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. What have you been up to ever since? I know uh, last time you were on, you talked about you've been working on your horror western, The Pale Door. Do you have any updates on that? Yeah, I mean, really, it's been still doing that <laughs> for the most part. Uh, it's uh, it's been tricky and difficult, but uh, but yeah, we are just now finishing that movie up and uh, delivering it. So, in fact, probably this weekend will be. So, by the time this airs, I probably will be fully finished. So, and and when all this shit happened and we had to work remotely, that got a little difficult. But um, but yeah, we made it happen, and and that's been the primary focus. And then I've been doing a lot of writing too. That's awesome. Yeah, so you're already preparing for your next project then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we already had the next project, which is, oddly enough, it's a sci-fi film that we want to do. Um, we already had that one ready to go before we were even... We actually wrote that before we wrote Pale Door. Um, that's called Dream Machine. It's kind of a Cronenberg uh, meets Primer kind of thing. Um, but uh, we... Yeah, so we had that one in the bag. But the question was, you know, what else do we have? We have time now. We might as well dig into it. So we're writing a horror comedy movie uh, with Cameron, my writing partner. And then I've written a serial killer movie as well. That's awesome. That's so exciting. So, yeah, you, you obviously haven't shown any signs like you're going to be dipping your toes outside of the genre anytime soon, which is obviously exciting for all of us fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's definitely where my bread and butter is going to continue to be. And you know, I think so much of what, like my company, Paper Street Pictures, like what we want to do is genre mashups. But uh, you can't have a mashup without the first genre. <laughs> so yeah. horror comedy, you know, horror sci-fi, horror western. Um, I mean, the horror comedy that we're doing. So we did Scare Package, obviously, but the next one is a it's a horror sports movie. So it's like all told from the perspective of like Rocky or Mighty Ducks, but it's oh, all. Oh man, that sounds <laughs> awesome. I also can't, I can't think of any other movies that have done that really. That's actually where this kind of came out of. Uh, we had a lot of success with not so many people had seen a horror Western and was like, well, what other horror mashups could we do? And I was thinking like, I just, I love old sports movies like Rudy and Hoosiers and and Rocky and all that. I love those. I was like, is there a way to capitalize on that within horror? And, uh, yeah, we have, uh, I don't want to give away the whole plot yet, but there's, it's, totally absurd and it's a lot of fun it's a lot of that's fun. so exciting that's so exciting can you tell us what's what sport you're gonna delve into or do you not even want to reveal oh, that, I'll tell you that no it's called it's called demon derby so it's about a roller derby team oh hell yeah that's awesome yeah yeah that's like cool texas roller derby team so yeah it's uh it's gonna be a lot of fun it already is. Of, I mean, just reading yeah. just reading the last draft was a blast there's a lot of cool things you could do with that like i don't know it, it's not a horror movie but have you seen the goon movies like the oh, hockey yeah. films Oh, yeah, dude, like those dude, are dude, so, vi- yeah, they're yeah. so funny, but they're so violent too. Like, yeah. so that, that, that's so exciting, man. That's awesome to hear. Um, all right. So like, what about uh scare package? So we have gotten to see scare package and I think ever since we've pretty much been praising it on the show and telling all of our friends about it, we want everyone to be able to see it. And I know that you recently released the trailer for the film. Uh, but is there any updates on when people are going to be able to actually see the film or if it's going to be up for streaming anywhere or. Yeah, so unfortunately, nothing I could say just yet. I think yeah. Yeah, I hate that I'm on your podcast twice and I'm talking about announcements <laughs> coming soon, but they're still coming. Like we're literally, I think, like three weeks away from when we announce it. Um, but it it will be available very soon. 
you know, within the next six to eight weeks, let's say. Um, and uh, but yeah, we're we're working on our announcement for that um, coming in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, it'll be very accessible. But uh, but unfortunately, until that's public, we can't uh, spill the beans just yet. That's awesome. Oh, that's something to look forward to. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so going on from that, like we briefly touched on it recently, but uh, one thing we're we're trying really hard to avoid conversations of COVID nineteen on the podcast, try to get people's mind off of it and everything. But I think when we while we have you here, someone who's actually a filmmaker and working in the industry, I wanted to ask you how this has been affecting you and how 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 it affects your friends and all your coworkers and colleagues and. Um, if there's any type of way that fans could be helping in any sort of way during this insanely difficult time that no one saw coming. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a that's a really kind way. Well, Bill Gates saw it coming, right? In like 2014. Yeah, I right? guess so. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, um, other than TED Talks. Uh, yeah, look, that's a kind, kind thing to ask because especially when it comes to indie films, you know, let's just say when Scare Package is actually announced, like, you know, please go watch it and then let the filmmakers know what you think about it. I mean, there's there's amazing directors on that movie that, you know, are, are stuck in a room and we have no idea how people are going to really react. So seeing that reaction on the Internet, I think could go a long way, um, you know, and just hearing from people. We, we like it. I know I know all filmmakers love to hear from a fan, someone random out there that we don't know that we connected with. I mean, I know that's the reason why I even make movies to begin with, is this idea that I could create something that some person who might be going through some shit might be down and they can have an escape for 90 minutes, you know, and they can have something that just gets their mind off whatever is troubling them and either laugh, cry, have fun, whatever it is, whatever their, their vice is in that moment. Uh, that they can indulge in that, and and that's that's what it's for. So I think being vocal about that can go a long way because we don't get that festival experience now or that that theatrical experience now. Um, but uh, as far as just as a whole, I mean, it's been, you know, look, I'm fortunate in that we had two movies that were already in the can and in post um, that were about to come out. So that's a positive from that perspective. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies that were stopped midway through that don't know how they're going to get their cast back, that, you know, how the money is going to be spent. There's a ton of money lost on movies that were being shot in development and now have to halt and then come back. So how they're going to make up that difference is very unknown. Um, I know we also lost lost funding for a movie that was going to go, uh, you know, here in the spring. So that and not just like delayed, like lost the money completely. So. You know, there are, there are situations like that that come into play, but I think as a whole, I consider myself lucky because I'm able to keep busy, I'm able to, you know, stay financially sound, and there's a lot that aren't in that same situation, so I'm grateful for that. But um, but look, you know, it's tricky. I mean, <laughs> I we have another film that I'm just a producer on that we're hoping to get going, and... Uh, you know, that what our hope is that because of all these big shows that have been delayed for such a long period of time, it's going to take them a long time to get those logistics back together and figure out how are they going to place that, you know, because behind this one huge show that shoots for six months are three other huge shows that shoot for six months. And these big actors, their, their schedules are booked for two years. So the idea being once this is lifted and let's say hypothetically that like you could shoot in October, then you know, we're like, hey, come out, hang out with us for three weeks real quick. You're in and you're out. You shoot a feature film while you're waiting for all this shit to fall into place. And that's kind of what we're hoping that maybe we can get, you know, some bigger names to do that. But God, man, I, I have no idea. And then 
directly impacting me um, has been with The Pale Door. We, uh, you know, we were going to have a theatrical release on that film, and now we don't know. So that's, that's tricky, too. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know what the new date of The Pale Door is going to be. So you know, we were hoping to have stuff. So that's still in flux as well. So it's just a lot of unknowns. Um, but uh, but you know, at least I think the one solace that I take from all of this is that in everyone's time of need and everyone's frustration and when people are dealing with this shit, they're all turning to movies. You know, and that's, that's a really cool thing. It like gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And I think that, uh, you know, the fact that I can contribute to that space this year when people are still going to need that, uh, is, is great. So from that perspective, I'll take it and hopefully we give people a, a, you know, a little, little reprieve in their shit. (laughs) Totally, man. We, I've been thinking about that pretty much nonstop ever since this all began is how lucky I am and we all are as horror fans to be able to be so obsessive about something like this and to love something as much as we do because it's the absolute purest form of escapism and I don't know where I'd be if I if I didn't have my library of movies to turn to at a time like this and it's the absolute best way to get your mind off of what's going on outside so yeah I I totally agree I think it's it's great that uh you're telling people to go out and you know let filmmakers know that you they like to hear from you because that's always something that I try and do as well. Like uh, I, it was just the other day. Uh, I think it was Evil Dead's seven-year anniversary. Like it came out seven years ago. Fede Alvarez, mm. uh, his Evil Dead film, and he made a tweet about how uh, like he took a lot of shit for that movie. Like a lot of people didn't like it, but you know a lot of people loved it. Me being one of them, and like I, I sent him a text, a tweet, just being like that. The amount of times that movie's got my mind off of things that. <laughs> that I've just wanted to escape in my life. And I turned on that, his movie, his insane bloody evil dead movie, as much as, you know, some people don't like, some people might not like it. I love it. And, uh, that's what's about that's what it's for. Yeah. It's exactly. About experience. Yeah. And look, I love the new evil dead. I was there. So that would have been the, the South by Southwest premiere. I was at that world premiere. I went to the evil dead party after. And I remember at that time, you know, there were high expectations because the trailer looked legit cool. But we didn't know, like no one in that audience knew, but that experience watching Evil Dead with that crowd at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas in like 2013 or whatever it was, was unreal. That was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. Like people were going fucking apeshit for that movie. And after, you know, we were, we were all about it, um, all about it. Everybody was. So it, look, I think hype comes out of that and then people want to counter that. And it's such an iconic franchise that um, I get it. But uh, but I love it because, yeah. you know, yeah, they went they went straight not to get too much an evil dead topic. But, you know, what I really like is that he wanted to do what Raimi originally set out to make. And a lot of people talk about evil dead. And I don't think they really realize that the first film was meant to be straight up horror and scary. And yeah. they didn't really accomplish that <laughs> in my for opinion. some people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, yeah. it still scares me. I, I that movie creeps me out. <laughs> Well, okay. but I know I, I know I, what you mean though. The prosthetics and everything, like it's definitely a cheaper movie. Like you can see, you could see the seams in that film. Yeah, well, and even even just that, I think tonally, it uh, they realized though that it was very easy for them to lean comedy and kind yeah. of, and and do something unique. And that's when I think Evil Dead Two just like blew blew the roof off. And 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 it's weird because originally my understanding it could be a little off here but my understanding is that the original evil dead 2 is basically just going to be a remake of evil dead 1 and they just want to do a comedy version and yeah. then they just kind of they made it to the sequel because evil dead 1 was was genuinely successful 
for them. So, um, but either way, yeah, I fucking love both those movies. I love Fede. I think he's an amazing, uh, an amazing director with a great voice that does his own thing. And, um, and look, and, and, and even if not everybody, you know, likes to tweet or replies back or whatever, like, trust me, like they all see it and it matters because a lot of us too, like it's a, it's a weirdly lonely world and experience. Yeah. And, uh, and I think just knowing that it's resonating with people always, always matters. So yeah, totally. Well, you must have loved being in Saskatoon and seeing scare package things. That movie played our theater like a fiddle. Man, it's uh, I, I've I've enjoyed it's I've been it was really a bummer because we lost a bunch of festivals that we were going to do right at the yeah. end. Of the year. Um, I was going to to Brussels and then I, back to Florida where I was from uh, for the Florida Film Fest and Chattanooga Film Fest and all these cool places because all for Scare Package and I always try to go to their festivals just because I mean I went all the way up to Saskatoon I didn't even know where that city was or anything yeah. about it you know. And, uh, but I, I love watching it with an audience. I mean, it's, you know, I think, and, and, and all filmmakers are going to say that to some degree, but, but this was really, it's made for a rabid horror midnight audience. So totally. hearing those laughs, seeing those reactions, you know, it just energizes you and it makes you want to go out and do it again. And, and when shit got really tough on the pale door, like trying to finish it. And I mean, that, this movie was it has been the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Um, just as far as like, at least, you know, professionally. And it, it was, it was so daunting and so tiring, but seeing the reaction to scare package rejuvenated me so many times when things got, you know, dark and tough, um, trying to finish this movie. And, uh, so, so yeah, it all balances itself out. And, and that reaction is fucking it. It's it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I can't wait for people to experience it. I think even at even at home when they get to finally see it, especially anyone who listens to this podcast, I I cannot sing the praises enough for Scare Package. It is so much fun. Um, but yeah, I can't can't wait for that, man. Uh, we'll move on from here, though. Uh, you, yeah. So you mentioned lots about festivals and everything. So you that must be the thing that's you know hurting you most in this time is having to say goodbye to all these festivals. Like you're you're from Austin, Texas. That's where you're currently you currently are right now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Austin, but, uh, so there's great festivals in Austin, but the last, I mean, I think the last fest we played for scare package was panic fest in Kansas city. And then or we might've played one other fest that I didn't go to, um, one or two, but yeah, I mean, these, this is where we all get together. It's where I see, you know, so many filmmakers that are friends of mine and we're close, but we don't live in the same cities, states, countries, even many times. Yeah. So, this is where we all gather. This is where we watch each other's films. This is where we get rejuvenated and then to have that pulled short. And, and look, we're really lucky on Scare Package. We got to play a ton of amazing festivals. We opened at Citrus in Spain, one of the best experiences of my life, and you know, played all these amazing places, including at Saskatoon, which was such a, such a blast. But I have other friends who they were having world premieres at, you know, at Chattanooga coming up and at South by Southwest and at Tribeca. And now they don't have any, they don't get any of that. They don't, yeah. they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know when they're going to premiere, if they're going to premiere, should they just release online. So to lose that festival experience is, is really tough, you know? And I know, I mean, I know filmmakers that are just crushed, crushed about it right now. So, you know, it's hard for me to look, I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't get more 
But uh, that was a bountiful at that point. You know, we already played, I don't know, 20 festivals, 25, 30 festivals or something. So, you know, we already had a lot out there. So we're lucky. But uh, for the others that don't get any of that and don't get, well, maybe even never get to be in a packed theater and hear their film play in front of that, I, my heart breaks for them. No kidding. Yeah. Well, shit, hopefully this all bounces back as soon as possible and everyone just takes the proper precautions and is taking it seriously so that we can move on from this and this doesn't need to be, drag out any longer than it already has. Um, yeah. So, but it, yeah. until then, until then, let's just keep focused on horror movies and having fun listening to podcasts and uh, hearing from guys like Aaron B. Koontz talking about his favorite alien movies. So let's get on to that. Like, so but before, before we do that, actually, um, so the reason I wanted to have you on today is the first time you came on here, you mentioned that your set, like the movie that really changed everything for you when it came to horror was alien. And this episode is going to be, we're going to be posting it on national international alien day. There's a fucking international day for everything now, I think. <laughs> uh, but it just so happened to kind of line up with us releasing an alien invasion series. So we figured why not? Let's, let's give some people some more, give the people some more stuff to listen to. And you're an incredibly well-rounded and knowledgeable genre fan. So I think if there's someone out there who could give our listeners some awesome recommendations, it's you. So I want to delve into that. We're going to talk about all of your, your favorite alien invasion movies. But before that, do you have anything that you want to plug uh, any films that you've seen recently that have really done it for you that you want to recommend to the listeners? Well, I mean, I think the the five films I picked are going to be those some of those recommendations too. But uh, you know, that some things that are out now, I would definitely say go see Daniel isn't real. Um, you know, that's that's in that's on Shutter. And honestly, if you could just a lot of the exclusives, whenever you get on Shutter and you see a Shutter exclusive, I think that's that's something to always look for. Um, those are usually smaller films that that they they kind of put a little backing behind. And it matters, those opening weekends, you know, even even on a streaming service, like the opening weekend on a streaming service still matters. Um, and then uh, upcoming on Mother's Day, so here in just a couple weeks, uh, my buddy Brandon Christensen made a movie called Z, which is uh, a horror film. He made Stillborn, which is on Shutter as well right now. And he, uh, he made Z, and I love it. It's just uh, kind of another creepy kid, haunted baby kind of thing. And, uh, but he's just so, so effective of building dread and atmosphere. And it's got one of the best scares, like jump moments of any movie of the year, like by far. And, yeah. uh, so have you seen it by chance? No, or? no, that sounds awesome though. I'm writing, think, I'm writing everything down that you say today. Yeah. It's, so Z, Z is definitely one to check out, which is coming soon. Uh, um, what, what did you say his first, his other film was, uh, his other film's called stillborn. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, which is on Shutter as well, which is also a rad film. They're they're good. Yeah. He's a he's a good dude. He actually just did um, visual effects on uh, the Pale Door for us as well. And and we met again. We met at festivals. You know, that's awesome. the way this yeah. works. And and uh, you see all that stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, just like looking for those Shutter exclusives, those first weekend things, I think is always a big thing to start with. Um, but uh, yeah, I, when you asked me to come on and talk about alien stuff, it was. It was weird because, yes, number one, I mean, th there really are four films that, that kind of shaped me and turned me into a filmmaker. Let's and, hear them. Uh, so, well, what, what, what are those four, you were saying? Yes, yes. So the first was Jaws, right? So Fuck that yeah. Was, yeah, I mean, that was it. I mean, that was 
the I, I was obsessed with sharks already, uh, and then watching Jaws it, like freaked me out. But I, I didn't know it was a horror film at the time, which is weird. Jaws is a horror film, by the way. Um, yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time, and I did the, I did the same thing. I didn't understand it was a horror movie when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it just it scared me. But still, I my favorite know. movie of all time. Yeah, and like nobody called it horror. Like horror no. wasn't thought of as that at that time. Weirdly enough. You know, there were just other, like, horror movies were Nightmare on Elm Street in my head. You know, or yeah. that's all that that was. It was only those. And I just didn't fully understand or grasp, like, what the genre meant. But, uh, look, Jaws completely changed me. Um, I think I saw an edited version, like, on TV. And then, and then, and then they didn't have, like, the raft kill of the kid, you know, that's there. Like, yeah. it was just, like, the, the, the dramatic push-in, the push-pull uh to to roy and like but then they didn't have that moment and i'm like what is going on like yeah <laughs> when i saw that for the first time and that kid like you the know boy. twisting and the whatever like fuck oh my god that wrecked me um, scariest shit in the world to a kid oh my god it's so cool yeah. it's so cool and jaws is it's probably the the number one movie that i watched as a very very young kid that is now even better Man, I was just going to say, it doesn't, it's just, every time I watch it, it gets better. Well, it's a perfect film. It's yeah, a It really is. Yeah. That whole thing was trending on Twitter about like your five perfect films. And Jaws was always like, man, Jaws is going to start yeah. off this list every goddamn time. Yeah. Because it is. I think it's a perfect film. Even though it was like a flawed film being made because the shark wasn't working and nothing went the way they wanted. But like all of those limitations are what actually created the perfection of this Jaws. Um, but, but Jaws like completely changed my life, um, in, in every way. And it's still the most influential film to me of all time. And then, and then alien, you know, like you were saying, uh, one of my friend's house watching that, that was the first movie that Jaws messed me up, but alien freaked me out, you know? And God, like that ending scene of Scorning Weaver when the alien's like asleep and she's trying to like quietly get in that thing. Like, I can't take it. Like I can't oh, take dude, it. Yeah. Just, it's just pure attention. <laughs> Pure oh attention. god it's so good it's i think that was the so first good. time i ever noticed my feet sweating from a movie <laughs> like because and that was always a thing that i've been chasing ever since like i always I, you're always looking for you're chasing that dragon and that's the the feeling of just like i'm like i'm not it's cold in here but my feet and hands are sweating an alien does that in spades god yeah like i have so much to learn as a filmmaker about how to effectively evoke that kind of that kind of level, because I mean, in the movies I've made and even the Pale Door that's upcoming, I don't I don't consider them like truly scary. Like they're just I really like creepy imagery that stays with you and kind of fucks with your head and and you're trying to like understand it after with like you know stories that kind of twist and, and all of that. Like that's kind of my psychological horror is probably a better way of putting it. And yeah. I like things that play with your head. And then, you know, Scare Package is not really scary. It's just ridiculous comedy. Just in, yeah, it's just <laughs> but, a complete love letter. Yeah, 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 in that way. But I, but I do hope that once I can hone in my craft, I really want to make a truly scary movie. Like, just like, you know, balls to the wall, fear, you know, feel it to a 10. And, uh, and I, would, I would go back to Alien right off the bat and, and watch and, and study that even closer to, to, better, to better mimic it. Because that's it. Like, I would have to mimic it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, another perfect film. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, then in 1999, uh, Magnolia with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, that was the movie that you know Melora Walters' look at the end of that movie and everything about it just made me decide I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, it affected me. It's just uh, you know uh, anybody that knows me knows like how important Magnolia is to me. Um, and then I think I mentioned this last time on the podcast, but to come full circle and on the pale door, I got to actually hire Melora Walters. Uh, that's just, unreal. 
it blows me away. It's still so ridiculous. Like the fact that I can just text her right now, but she might even be listening. You know, yeah. Hi, I love you. You're my muse. You know this. <laughs> And and it's ridiculous and crazy to me. And uh, so you know what's, what's crazy about that too is another like uh, I I actually just did that today too. I think it was a I think it was on Facebook. Someone was doing like a who's an actor who's completely underrated or like who should be way bigger than they are. And you have him in your movie. Is I my pick is always and will always be Pat Healy. I yeah. fucking love Pat Healy, and you got to work with him on the Pale Door as well. Yeah, yeah, and he was in Starry Eyes too. And, and, yep. and look, Pat is. Pat is just such a gent, right? He's a grumpy dude that is so good at what he does, and I yeah. love him to death. And I say grumpy with love, Pat. You know this. Um, he is he's he's so good. He's so good. And what people are seeing too is Pat has comedic timing. Pat has subtleties. I mean, what we did on the pale door is you know Pat created this um, a very specific kind of uh, uh, like dialect that he had that's just so cool. And, yeah. and when the people watch the movie now that we're, as we're wrapping up and they, they talk about his character because he just resonates like you remember him and just the way that he talks and the way that he moves and, and the little subtleties that he brings to performance. Yeah, Pat is um, he's a scene stealer, dude. He's a complete scene. Man, stealer. Yeah. I couldn't be more excited for the pale door now, too, especially like you behind the camera and like uh, a horror Western. I, I love both of those genres. And Pat Healy, like, I'm, oh, God, man, I am so on board. It's insane. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? Talk about another movie to recommend. I think it actually comes out, it, it might have just come out this week on Shudder, but We Are What We Are. Um, yeah, I've heard about this one. So We Are What We Are stars uh, Bill Sage. It also stars Julia Garner, who everybody knows now from Ozark. Um, but uh, but Bill Sage is the lead in that. Bill plays Wait, on. Uh, is this the cannibal? Yeah, I've seen this film. Yeah, yeah so, okay. Yeah, it's I love a great that. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's I really good. I think yeah, it's, Jim Mickle. Yeah, exactly. Jim Mickle, another fantastic filmmaker who's... Oh, and Nick um, Dimitri wrote it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all same team, right? The Happen yeah. Later kind of guys and, and a lot of that. Um, yeah, Jim, Jim and Nick work a lot together. Um, they made Cold in July, which was Fuck. written by... So good. Oh, Cold in July is so fucking amazing. I love Wyatt Russell so much. Oh, yeah, so yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an amazing movie. Um, oh, wait, you mean... Um, Wait, Wyatt Russell's in Cold in July? Wait a second. Uh, yeah, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell's in Cold in July, and he's also in We Are What We Are. Wyatt Russell's the one of the porno guys in Cold in July. Oh, shit. He's, he's right. his son. That's he's, right. I completely yeah. forgot. I completely forgot that he was in that. Yeah, he's um, so good in it. I was just thinking of the, the main, like Dexter and all that shit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, whatever. Michael C. Hall. But uh, no, Cold in July is fantastic. And actually, the writer of Cold in July is um you know he helped us on our script and his son is a correct is a co-writer with us on the pale door joe lance no way. so yeah it all comes back full circle it's it's uh it's a small world but awesome. um, but yeah we are what we are uh in that movie though the guy with the big beard that's that's bill sage yeah. bill sage plays dodd who's one of my main characters in the pale door as well so it's um he's another one to, to look for that i think you'll love and another like underrated actor I mean, th that's what we did. Everybody that I have on the pale door, I feel like are underrepresented, underrated actors that just blow me away. Um, Bill Sage being being one of them. He's also an American Psycho. He's in Half yeah. Leonard. He's in all, all kinds of shit. Bill Bill's amazing. Um, and uh, and then even like Zachary Knighton, he was in like the Hitcher remake. Um, he was in the show Happen. Um, uh, Happy, Happy endings. endings. Yeah, yeah, he's the lead in that. And but he's a really great dramatic actor, and he's done a bunch of indie films, but nobody ever got to see that side. Um, he even joked with me. He's like, "Yeah, people just want me to play Ross from fucking Friends all the time." And he's like, "I'm <laughs> not. I can do more than that." 
So we, we gave him that, you know, and he's phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. And obviously, you know, Melora Walters and then Noah Segan. Um, Noah's one of my best friends. He's in everything I do. So I had to put him in there as well. He's in Knives Out. If you haven't seen Knives Out. Oh, dude. I, yeah. It's the last time I saw you, uh, we were talking about it because I, I'm one of those idiots who whines about The Last Jedi. Um, but it is, I've rewatched it. It's good. It's good. It's fine. Uh, but I, I just, I love Noah Segan as well, but where was I even getting at with this? Fuck. I don't even know. So, Oh no, Knives Out. Yeah. It was awesome. So yeah, good. So funny in it too. Like he just, yeah, he's so like, good in it. Yeah. I mean, he's a new dad. In fact, he just had a second child this week. Um, congratulations to him and Allison, but, uh, he's a new dad and, and just like his dad jokes are so on point. And Ryan being one of his best friends, like they wrote that part around that. It's so clear just to see their influence. And it makes me so happy. Like all his little dad joke interjections throughout Knives Out just crack me up. Like crack me up. But uh, but yeah, but Noah's in it. Um, And then even like Tina Parker, who's in, um, uh, she plays the secretary that's in Breaking Bad and in uh, Better Call Saul. Yes. And I loved her. Like she's such a great, she, she, and she's had so many other parts. She's in uh, Puppet Master, Little Shrek and stuff too. But she's another just amazing actress that like I just didn't see enough, you know, in all these places. Um, and then our lead kid is a kid named Devin Druid um, from 13 Reasons Why. That's not in a lot of genre stuff, um, but, but people are going to be blown away when they get to see this kid. He's amazing. But yeah, I mean, you know, I always try to find, like I, I watch movies constantly, of course. But one of the things I do is I write down the, the side actors that have a moment that I'm like, whoa, this person was a scene stealer. Like them right here at this time like affected me and, and I write them down. And then when the time comes, like I want to give them opportunities, you know, and I want them to be the leads and I want them to have um, to, to do something a little unique because I saw like a glimmer of something. And we take a lot of pride in, in the way we do that in our casting and the pale doors just like that. I mean, it's, it's a dream cast. Ooh, ooh, also Natasha Bassett. Who's another one. Oh yeah. She's great. I saw her in hail Caesar and again, phenomenal and her scene. And it was just, and when my, uh, my casting director suggested her and then I watched that scene and I was like, Oh my God, that was her. Yes. She's amazing. Like let's bring her in. So, you know, it's finding those little things. I'm sorry. I'm on a diatribe here on the side, but, uh, no, that's totally fun fine. doing that kind of casting and, and, and I can't wait for, for people to see what Pat and Bill and Melora and Devin and all of them have done in pale door. It's, it's a lot of fun. No, that's awesome, and I'm totally sorry. I t- I cut you off. You were talking about Magnolia. You have one last one that you were going to mention. You oh, said four yeah, films. sorry. That's that's my fault. Uh, yeah, and then the fourth would be is Memento. So, oh yeah. So after Magnolia, you know, I knew I decided after watching that, like literally the day I watched it, that I wanted to go back to film school. And I had a friend who was kind of pestering me as well to go, and I was like, you know what, I'm doing it. So I decided I wanted to do that after Magnolia, and then I really decided that I wanted to hone in as a screenwriter, watching Memento. Because Memento was one of those films that showed me how it's really kind of a straightforward movie, but it's told in some, such an unorthodox way that it's and, – and the, the writing is so subtle and clever. And Because if you watch the movie in normal order, it's like not that crazy. No. But yeah. watching it the way that it's been constructed and how it was originally – you know what they planned, what Christopher and Jonathan Nolan planned to do, it's just executed so well. And it made me think about how it was edited, how it was written, and then the, the way in which it had to be performed, you know, uh, by Guy Pierce, And, like, that blew me away. You know, that totally. blew me away. Um, so those four films kind of were like, okay, this is, you know, horror, understanding films. And then, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson's My Filmmaking Idol. And, and it all kind of came together. And 
now I'm out there trying it. So it's pretty funny how much, uh, like I clearly love everything that I've seen you do so far and I like everything that you say. And it's because we have all of the same taste. <laughs> I'm a massive Paul Thomas Anderson fan. So that's, that's awesome, man. No, that works out. That's why it's more fun being on your podcast. I, I've actually done a few podcasts in the past few weeks and a lot of times it's just kind of boring. Like here are the same 10 questions and yeah. it is what it is. It's fine. I don't mind it as long as we're talking about movies, but at least w- I like talking to you guys or, or at least just you now, but, um, to just because it's just, yeah, we have similar sentiments and and you all really know film, you know, you know, you know your shit. So that's fun. Well, thanks man. I appreciate that. Um, all right. Well, do you want to get on to, do you want to get on to your alien picks? Let's talk about, uh, Let's talk about your top five. So how did you approach this list? I, I had told you you can go about it any way that you want. You can go, like, if you wanted to, you could put Alien in there, but that's obvious. Uh, yeah, so yeah. You, how did you go about making your list? So, I mean, God, I, I came in and I was like, oh, shit, I get to talk about an invasion film. So immediately I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about The Thing and I'm going to talk about War of the Worlds and typical stuff that are amazing. And, but then I realized, I'm like, well, everybody knows those films already. I think people are already thinking about that. Um, and, uh, and, and so, and especially with the thing, that's one of my all time talking about another perfect movie. That's one yeah, of the uh, ones. Totally. And I, I just, I don't know that I even want to have that as an off topic. Like that needs to be like its own episode to talk about the thing in my opinion. No. Yeah. So completely. I completely skipped it. Um, so like there were, there were like the big four that were like iconic that I was like, eh, we don't have to talk about these necessarily. Um, like my favorite Martian. Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. It's space jam. Um, <laughs> yes. but, uh, no, uh, the thing invasion, the body snatchers, close encounters and war of the worlds. I feel like are like the four big question for you. films that everybody thinks about. Yeah. Are you, t- are you talking about the Spielberg war of the world? I am actually, uh, man. I love, Oh God, dude, I am the only person I know who defends that movie. I think it's, it is great. Darkest films. It's one of the darkest films. Yeah. And it's so well shot and it's so tense and it's actually fucking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, look, I think they, they could have upped the ante in some areas. There's, there's room for, for, you know, making some of the horror a little more R, but, uh, but look, Tom Cruise did it. It it works though. I mean, yeah, you can have a movie like that with Tom Cruise and Spielberg and, and make that happen. So, uh, otherwise so look but it, it fucking works man it's like, impressive it's, impre- it's impressive how dark they made a movie with tom cruise in it they did well yeah. and that's interesting that actually parlays into my next point so those were like the first four that i was like okay well i'm not going to talk about those because those are obvious and then um and then i had three other films that i'm obsessed with like obsessed with but aren't you know also are bigger movies and, uh, and I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, so my approach basically in, in summary was I wanted to do like overlooked or underrepresented films that I don't think everybody's seen, or if you have seen, you might've forgotten about stuff like that. So that's really the totally. approach that I took for those five. So deeper cuts, but the three films that I'm obsessed with that I'll just like touch on quickly. Um, first is science. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I fucking love signs. I love M night in that era M night. And I think that science gets a lot of shit from people and I will defend it to the grave. And in fact, um, we even have a podcast with my company and I'm about to do an entire episode, um, with another filmmaker friend of mine, uh, about science. Cause we're both oh obsessed with it. So I'm going to go all in, but science, I think Dude, I love that movie. I love it. And I, I actually, 
I, I shared when we first started the podcast, but that's that's the most memorable theatrical experience I've ever had with signs. That that oh, wow. I think is that's like the movie that really it's one of one of the main movies that really changed it for me. Like and when I think I saw it when I was about twelve years old was when it came out. And I was just so shook by that film. I love I love it. And I just watched it again like two weeks ago. And I think it still holds up. I think it's still a phenomenal movie. I also love M. Night. Of course, of course, he's made some shitty movies, but he's made some the good far outweighs the bad. Fuck, man. Oh, M. Night yeah. had a stretch that will rival anyone. Yeah, he- totally. And even re- even recently, I really like Split. I think Split was great. I wasn't a fan of Glass, but I really loved Split. So yeah. I, and, and The Visit was fun. It's a little bit of a return like to form. Too. Yeah, yeah definitely when he, you know, and he talked about this very humbly. He came to Fantastic Fest in Austin for Split. And he was like, look, I'm nervous because I kind of lost my way. And he he openly talks about this. He's like, I, it got to my head. You know, I'm on the cover of like whatever it was, People or Time Magazine as the next Spielberg. Like that's the literal that cover was of the magazine. <laughs> you know, and he's like, it got to his head a little bit. And uh, he was he was a character himself. And then he had to find a way to like come back to, to what he loved because he clearly has the ability to tell these movies. And uh, he financed The Visit himself. And then he yep. mainly financed Split himself as well. So, And then both of those were huge successes. And now he's back off and running. And actually, a friend of mine is um, a producer on his new movie that's shooting in like Hawaii or something. Well, it was shooting in Hawaii. It's not now. Um, I don't know much about it though, but, uh, yeah. but I know it's a big, either thing. way, science, science fucking rules. And yeah, I, well, I was going to mention that at the very end of the episode, but, uh, paper street pictures, uh, you can just search that on any podcasting platform and you can find, I believe you guys have three episodes out right now, but you're, you're not on any of those episodes yet. No. Yeah. I mean, it's so Sean Talley, who's our producing partner with paper street, like he runs it. And, uh, you know, the goal is, is to talk about, we're, we're kind of finding our finding our, our, our voice with it a little bit right now and and really dig into the craft of filmmaking and the business of filmmaking. Um, and we're going to start getting more specific about um, deep diving into some films and talking about the ways in which they're shot, written, edited, and all of that and really, you know, dig into that a little bit more. But uh, it's been great. Uh, it, it was we, we planned on doing that before this whole pandemic thing happened. Um, and just had the first episode ready, but yeah, yeah, no, it's a Paper Street podcast. Yeah, it's out out there now, and I'll be on. Uh, we just did a new episode, um, which is coming out next week with uh, Emily Higgins, who directed the first, the cold open of uh, Scare Package. Awesome, and, yeah, yeah, and a, a big part of that conversation is horror comedies. So that'll be a fun one um, that's coming up too. But yeah, thanks for plugging that. Um, they're him and Becky Becky Sayers out in Seattle. They they do a great job on that. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. So, sorry. I once again cut you off, but it's no, because it's I, I agree with you. Sign, signs fucking rules. Uh, so you said sign. Scariest moments too, by the way, when that oh, alien crosses that little that from the bushes. The birthday party. Yeah, the birthday party, and even it was the the scene on top of the house, like where uh, Mel Gibson wakes up to him standing outside the house, and that's another thing too. I, I I know he has a very controversial. Obviously, Mel Gibson is a controversial person, but I think he's an incredible actor, and he does great in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's weird to see him as a priest. Um, but yeah, it's that, weird to see him as like a good agree. person. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I mean, look, I'm obsessed with science. Like obsessed. With yeah, science. it's a great movie. Um, the other movie that I love that didn't really fit because again, it's a bigger film. Um, but Denny Villeneuve's Arrival is so good. Breaks my heart. Like it breaks my heart. And to be clear, this is not the Arrival with Charlie Sheen. If people know that movie, um, yeah. very different. Uh, and that one I don't like, even though they made a second of that arrival too. There is a cool moment where the aliens like knees like buckle behind it, and you learn yeah. that 
in the whole time, which is stupid, by the way, spoiler, but who cares? Cause it's a stupid movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but arrival Denny's arrival is, uh, I mean, it, it breaks my heart. It's, it, it kind of has this eternal sunshine way of telling a story where like, you know how devastating it's going to be, but you're still willing to take the journey. It's one of those kind of it's like, a masterpiece. Yeah. It's ju- oh. just like, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it is like comparing it to eternal sunshine. Cause yeah, it just crushes you. Hey, Oh man, it's, um, it's, it's one. And, and, and I, that, again, that was one of the first ones like, well, I'm going to talk about signs and arrival. Like I'm definitely going to do that. But I, I, you know, they were, they were bigger films, so I didn't want to kind of push them as much. And then the third coming back to dark Tom Cruise is edge of tomorrow or so Live good, <laughs> which is a fucking blast. Like that movie is so much fun. And I think a lot of people skipped over it because it's like, oh, it's another like oblivion or it's another Tom Cruise. A lot of people yeah. don't like Tom Cruise and yeah, they missed out. Oh, I mean, well, and, and even if you don't like Tom Cruise, I still encourage you to watch Edge of Tomorrow because he's vulnerable. Like that's the thing about Tom Cruise is he's not vulnerable other than like Magnolia and this. Yeah. You know, like everywhere else, he's he's basically Mission Impossible, dude. Which, by the way, the new Mission Impossible movies are good as well. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Tom Cruise fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's he's a movie star. He's a great. He makes good movies. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. They're out. entertaining but for the most part. Edge of Tomorrow, though, is that's next so level. Much fucking fun. It's so clever, and just this Groundhog Day. Like it's violent. It's dark. It's got such great dark humor in the way that it works. And, uh, I love it. I have such a blast with that too. So those, those were three, you know, like I said, there was those big four. Um, and then there were these three other, you know, well-known ones. And I, I dug a little bit and was gonna do five. And I, I will say one of the five would have been honeymoon, but I know you've already talked about that. So I'm going to skip over it. Um, but, uh, I do think that that Lee Janiak's honeymoon is a fantastic, fantastic movie with wonderful dread and, uh, she's going to be, she's a superstar. Like, I think she's an absolute superstar as a director and a writer and, uh, her new series, she's doing fear street and she, oh, made, yeah. she made both of those. There's fear street one and two. They did both of them back to back and they're both going to come out later this year. And they're going to be, I, I don't, I mean, I haven't read them. I don't know anything about them other than what I've read publicly, but knowing how seriously she takes this, knowing how talented she is, and seeing the execution, like just the wonderful execution of of Honeymoon, it's going to be a fucking blast. Like I cannot she, wait. Yeah, she is so fucking good. And I want to re- for if for some reason if someone's listening to this and it's your first time listening to the Terror Table, our last episode we talked about Honeymoon. Um, that was it was in my top fifteen of the decade. Like it's it's one of my favorite movies of the last ten years, and it would be in my top five favorite alien invasion movies. I the fuck man that that ending of that movie alone like. One thing we talk about a lot in the last episode is like the last 20 minutes of that movie, like the last half an hour is just unreal. And God, can she ratchet up tension? Yeah, she's so that she is a payoff. That is it a is. payoff in a movie like that. Like, oh, man, when that movie that movie shook me so hard when I saw it. I love Oh God, I love it. Well, and it works so well yeah. because because you have two characters that that you know, play off each other so perfectly. And like that relationship and the deterioration of that relationship and, and how that parallels like what's happening to them without giving too much away is just so beautiful because you care about them and, and you can't, when you, when you're in that kind of relationship, you can't just run away from the problem. Like you would, you know, like, Oh, this is crazy. This run away and the movie's over. Like this becomes something that you have to kind of endure due to their connection to each other. 
And it wouldn't work if Rose Leslie, and I can't remember his name, did not... Harry Treadway. Not, Harry Treadway, if they did not connect the way that they did. Totally. And actually, that's a, that's a trend that I have here in some of the movies that I picked in just that, how they come together. On a side note, um, I have a funny story about Lee. So uh, Honeymoon premiered in 2014 at South by Southwest. And uh, the same year that Star Eyes premiered, and the night that Star Eyes happened, I think it was... Uh, it was so Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard's uh, the guest also was playing at South by and the best I left, movie of all time. Fucking it's amazing. Um, <laughs> I left I left the guest because uh, Simon was saying to go see this movie and he hadn't seen it either. And I followed him over to the Alamo Ritz and we watched Honeymoon. And afterward, we, we talked a little bit with with Lee and I met at the time her boyfriend. And it was like no big deal. And I was just kind of like, whatever. And he was a writer as well. And he was talking about how he was trying to get this uh, show going. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool, man. Um, you know, and he's like, yeah, we're talking to Netflix, you know, fingers crossed kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, congrats, like good luck. And I like left, like not thinking anything of it. And uh, that dude was Matt Duffer. It's Matt or Ross? I think it's Ross. Ross Duffer, who created Stranger Things. Holy shit. <laughs> and I had no idea. Like, I had oh, no idea. man. That is wild. I met, and then when Lee was talking about, she's like, "Yeah, my boyfriend," and they're married now. She's like, "Yeah, my boyfriend's show is coming out, you know, soon. We're gonna have to, you know." And she was sharing stuff about it, Um, and I was like, "Oh my god, this looks amazing! Like, this looks so cool." That's awesome. uh, Ended up being like the show that changed a generation, you know? Yeah, it's it's an incredible show. I love it too. I love it too. It's it actually got better. Season three, I thought was the best season. I I agree, and a lot of people don't think that, but I I think it just gets better. It's so good. I love that show. Two, I thought wasn't as good as one, but either way it's, it's yeah. fantastic. And three really worked, but it was so funny cause I was kind of dismissive. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with your show, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, now he has like lunch boxes with his name on it. Yeah. No so, kidding. Uh, which is pretty rad, but she's, she's amazing. Um, and, uh, honeymoon, honeymoon would have definitely been there. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, this is totally, this is totally off topic, but I feel like there might be a chance I could recommend a movie to you, but I feel like there's probably, you've probably seen it, but my double feature pick for that movie is Back Country. Have you seen Back Country? Absolutely. So yeah, I love that Country, movie. Yeah, the Grizzly Bear movie, um, which is which is great. And like it, um, so the score of Back Country is one of my favorite scores. And actually, when I was making Camera Obscura, I used that score as the temp score the whole time. But I think Back Country is great. You know, it's it's a really great example of building dread without having to. I mean, you feel the bear that's there, but you never see it, right? Yeah. So, it just, but it works, you know, and it's creepy. Yeah, it's I think creepy. he's yeah. another Adam McDonald. We had him on the podcast uh, like a long, long time ago. But I think he's one of the, I think he's one of the guys who's really going to pull off something awesome in the next couple of years. I, I loved Piwacket as well. He did that one as well. Oh, he but, made Piwacket. Well, that fucking makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, I, and it's what he's done next. I honestly, did, I love Piwacket. Yeah, dude, that, and that one's better on a repeat viewing. It's oh, I love it's even better a second time. Oh, it's so well, and I love the ending of that. It's such a clever, so creepy. Eh? Yeah, yeah, he does such a great job with that. Um, but no, yes, I've seen Backcountry. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, okay, well, here, so I'll I did five films, and again, um, more. You know, there's a couple that people I wanted to have one classic film. I had some weird rules that I created for myself, uh, and probably spent too much time thinking about this. I but love the- that you put the effort in, man. I just want to tell you, I appreciate that. Oh no, it's all good. I mean, I'm OCD, and and so this this comes out in that way. So the first film I recommend, which kind of has a parallel to Honeymoon, and that 
it's really if the two leads don't work, this film would be boring and would not would not work at all. And it's uh, the 2010 film Monsters from Gareth Edwards. And so people probably know Gareth Edwards uh, from this little movie called Rogue One, Star Wars Story. And, uh, and, and then he got a Godzilla, you know, but those, there's a reason why he got those movies. And the reason is monsters. And, and I think a lot of people, well, it starts Whitney Abel and Scoot McNary. Um, you know, it's basically about this uh, photojournalist who has to go into Mexico to uh, escort uh, the daughter of his boss through this inhabited zone. This inhabited zone is uh, where aliens have come. They're now living amongst us on Earth. This is like, you know, two years, three years after the initial invasion. And then there are quarantine areas where they try to keep the aliens at bay. And if you go into those areas, that's where the aliens are. Well, he ends up having to go through the quarantine zone in order to bring her back. And it's just the two of them. And you know, I mean, this is a movie that inspires me as a filmmaker. Gareth Edwards did like quite literally everything on this movie. He was the director, the writer, you know, obviously the producer. He shot the film. He did the production design on the film. He did all the visual effects on the film, um, you know, and, and just was so, and he did it for nothing. Um, he brought in, nobody knew who Scoot McNary was at the time. Uh, he hadn't done much of anything. Scoot now is one of the best character actors in the business. You've He's seen so good. Yeah. And everyone, if you don't know him, if you just look him up, you'll be like, oh, that guy. He's that person. He's like the, oh, that guy. He's well, in Killing Them Softly, right? Yep. He's in Killing Them Softly. Yeah. He's in like one of the new Batman movies or something. Too. Like he's oh, in Argo. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Argo. Um, actually, Christopher Denham, who's another actor who I love, um, who's in like Shutter Island and Sound of My Voice, and I cast in Camera Obscura. He's in Argo with him. And like the two of them I always think of together as these two amazing character actors that just people don't hire enough or know about. Although totally. Denim has a huge show coming out with Gillian Flynn, the girl who wrote Argo. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the woman who wrote Argo. Um, no, she, and, did, well, did she write Argo? Or, or, Gone Girl, Gone Girl. I'm talking about Gone Girl. I just confused yeah. the two movies. Affleck, yeah, yeah. Gone Girl. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is going to be, this movie sound, or this show sounds amazing. It's going to be on, I think, Amazon or, or uh, Hulu or something. But, um, but anyway, so Scoot McNary and then his real life girlfriend at the time, and they became wife later, Whitney Abel. So they're a real couple, and that plays into the chemistry that they have, which is phenomenal. Like you just you're slowly rooting for them, you're understanding like this like heartbreak that the two of them have and the the pain that they have, and the whole time there's this threat of these monsters when they're going through, and it's just it's so effective in the way that it builds dread. It's so effective in how less is more, um, but it's it's thought provoking. You know, like it has something to say once you get to the end of it. The aliens look fucking amazing. Like just Yeah, didn't he edit this movie in like his bedroom too? Yeah, I'm pretty yep. sure that's what yeah. Oh no, completely. Yeah. All of this was done. And in fact, going back to Stranger Things, I can almost guarantee you whatever the huge fucking monster is that's in Stranger Things that shows up in that kid's visions. Yeah. Um like looks exactly like the monster that's in <laughs> monsters. Um, yeah. But uh you know, like it's just it's just a movie that I can't recommend enough, and uh, is is subtle, but um, and it has horror. I mean, it has some scary moments in it too, but uh, it's beautiful, and it's, yeah, it's one definitely of my very subtle. Here, yeah, it was the last time you saw it. 
Uh, I watched it. It would have been like three or four years ago. It was when we first started the podcast. But no, I'm going to admit I need to rewatch it again because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not crazy about the film. Uh, but I know a lot of people who are. Like Boozy, one of our co-hosts, he's a huge fan of the movie. Um, but I feel like maybe when I saw it, I just wasn't in the right place. It is a very like... I, I Obviously, you've heard me talk about countless movies at this point that you'd probably consider slow. But I, I couldn't... It, it couldn't... It didn't grab me when I first saw it. So... I feel like, I, and I also, last time we watched it, we paired it up with Spring, which is an incredible movie. Like, I yeah. fucking adore that movie. And not saying The Monsters isn't, but Spring is definitely more up my alley. So I, I think I need, I'm going to rewatch Monsters. I'm going to give it another shot. Cause yeah, like I remember too, like I remember the acting being phenomenal and I remember it looking so good. Yeah. I mean, and this is just them running around with the camera. I mean, they stole yeah. all their shots. Like they just went to all these different elaborate locations and stole everything. So it's, it's a great example of impromptu filmmaking, just getting out there and doing it. And then that person ended up, you know, with, with not big name actors or anything like that. And then that person now, you know, making fucking star Wars movies, you know, totally. So, yeah. Uh, this is 100% the reason he's, he's got his start. Like he made a huge name for himself because of that movie. Yeah, and I can I, I can understand the fan base out there. I, I'm definitely I'm going to give it another rewatch. You got me excited for it. No, I, I highly recommend it because I think you know it has something to say about who really are the monsters, you know. And I yeah. think it's got a, a really poignant look at it that doesn't slap you in the face. And uh, but I think if you go in that like, look, it's it's a it's a drama, it's a romance with monsters and horror elements. I think there's something that you can take away. And again, I I fucking love it. Um, totally. The next film I wanted to do uh, total opposite of this, uh, which is I wanted to do a throwback film. I wanted to do something and I wanted a horror comedy because obviously those are near and dear to my heart. And uh, so I picked uh, the 1986 Fred Decker Night of the Creeps. Yes. Uh, I and, didn't uh, see that coming, but I'm stoked. <laughs> oh, dude. Night of the Creeps is a fucking blast, man. Oh, it's I mean, awesome. Honestly, it was one of the first ones I thought of. Hell like, yeah. Oh, I can recommend Night of the Creeps. And and uh, most people will know Fred Decker from Monster Squad. Yeah. Um, is a writer on her and the new Predator and, and some stuff like that and, and works with uh, Shane Black all the time. Yeah, but, I don't uh, care what anyone says. And I know you're probably one of them, but I fucking love that new Predator movie. <laughs> I know a lot well, of people didn't, but I really did. I would need to watch that again. Yes. Uh, I don't, <laughs> it's I, it's yeah. incredibly stupid. <laughs> incredibly yeah, stupid, but I, I had so much fun watching it. I'll give it. I'll, I'll give it another watch. I'll give it another watch. Uh, Especially but, with it had a lot of stank around it too, because of all the shit that went down with Shane Black. He hired like one of his friends who was a uh, ex sex offender or something. Like there, there. It ha- it was one of those ones that definitely was that that didn't help its cause by any means. Sure, <laughs> but the sure. movie is also it's very messy. It's a very messy movie. But I, I like it a lot. Look, I love Shane Black. I fucking yeah. love Shane Black so much. Um, nice Guys is great. And uh, yeah. he, he's, he's amazing. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have to revisit that. Uh, but his, his frequent collaborator, Fred Decker, you know, yeah. made this like completely ridiculous, absurd film that, uh, you know, is kind of, I love that it was, it's a throwback film made in the 80s about B movies made in the sixties. So now it becomes this like weird meta kind of thing because to watch it now and how relevant that was then that like we reference it. And, and, and honestly, none of the creeps is a big influence on scare package because you could tell, well, it's also just filled with all of these little things. Like even like every name in there, it's like, um, you know, Corman university and like, yeah, Romero and, and 
yeah, Chris Romero, Sergeant Ramey, you know, all yeah. this shit that's like layered in. But I mean, it's like absurd. Like, and Tom Atkins, who plays the sheriff, is the best. Amazing. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite Tom Atkins role, by the way. Totally. Yeah. And, this and then Halloween three. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, don't be wrong. Season of yeah. Witch is fucking amazing. But, the, but but Night of the Creeps is his role. It's like it's so cool, and he takes they, it so man. They cast too. everyone perfectly in that movie. Like Jason Lively is so like because the movie just feels so like cartoony and like of that era of like almost like a, a early Pleasantville. You know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah. picture perfect America, and then you just throw in slugs and aliens, and it gets crazy. It's well, so much and fun. It's fucking axe murderer you know like yeah, yeah totally yeah. Like it's so it's so wild but it's, it's a great also movie. but it's acted well like it's yeah. not i think there's um there there are movies of that same era that kind of get like there's it's so bad it's good like this is not that like this is no. genuinely a well-made film it's a well-directed film it has clear vision um the characters are interesting there's something to say uh and uh and it's a lot of fucking fun plus it has Maybe like that best line, which is uh, from Atkins, where he's like, well, girls, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. They're dead. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Awesome. So I love Night of the Creeps. It's a blast. And uh, I actually wish I could have rewatched it. Um, I didn't have time, but I was like, oh, my God, this gives me an excuse to rewatch Night of the Creeps. So I'll be totally. watching it again. After yeah, Scream, Scream Factory just put it out, too. I picked up the Blu-ray and the 4K. Okay. Like, oh, God, it looks so good. And just like I know lots of those older movies, you don't want them to look too good. But Night of the Creeps looks real good. Yeah, well, I mean, because it was it was professionally made, you know. It's a well I mean, shot. Is, it's a well shot movie, well made. Yeah, it's 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 not like like you said, it's not a so bad it's good movie. Like it's so bad it's good movie is like shocker. Where it's like sure. it's this this <laughs> fucking sucks, but we can laugh at it. And, yeah, and Night of the, Night of the Creeps is not like that. It's just you will laugh, but it's that's what's it's that's the kind of movie that's annoying to watch with people who aren't genre fans because they confuse it for being bad because it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it has absurd things yeah. taken seriously, and totally. and I think that's that's a different. Whereas yeah, like Shocker and some of these other movies. I mean, fuck, even like the original. Friday the 13th, like the dialogue is so yeah, cheesy it's rough. and yeah. it's like, this is kind of rough around the edges. None of the creeps is not that movie, you know, Agreed. It also, it's like iconic fonts and, and just like the, just the, the titles and the credits, like everything about it just screams of that era. And uh, it's great. I fucking love none of the creeps. And again, was one of the first films that I thought of uh, when I had this, this list. Um, awesome. Great pick. Yeah, the next one is uh, a film that I really don't think a lot of people will have seen, and I'm kind of excited to talk about. Um, it's a 2012 sci-fi comedy with like a little dash of horror called Grabbers. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so this is um, – it's, uh, it, it's an interesting movie. It's from the UK, uh, and it's like something crashes, you know, alien-type thing crashes off the water in the coast of this like sleepy Irish fishing town, and it begins terrorizing the natives. And there's already a legend of like, oh, it's a grabber. And there's like a couple of drunk people in the town that are, you know, like I, it's these Irish folks kind of playing to stereotype. And, um, but what, what I really think works about it, and, and I will start off right off the bat, is it's not like hardcore horror or anything. Um, you know, there are some heads that roll, uh, but it's a PG-13 kind of movie. So that's something to keep in mind. But it's, uh, but it's still a fucking crazy monster in this town. It's got a little bit of a Shaun of the Dead kind of feel totally. to it. I was going to say, it has, it has an Edgar Wright feel to it. Oh, completely. I love the movie. Completely. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's a yeah. totally fun movie. 
Well, and it has such a clever conceit in that it's not just about this. It's that they learn that these aliens need their blood to survive. And then <laughs> one of the aliens like is killing all these people, but then it doesn't kill this one person. Like, why did it? Because he's play? wasted, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. Because they get they get a bunch of alcohol in their in their bloodstream, and the alcohol poisons the aliens. So, so everyone needs to get like, fucking trashed. Right? Like, what yeah. an amazing concept. So then they have to do a lock-in, and they all have to stay in this bar, and the entire town has to get, you know, off their ass drunk in order to survive this night of these killer aliens. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a clever concept that's so fucking funny. And again, look, another movie where the two leads, and again, there's, a, there's, there's this romantic interest that is interesting, and it's funny, and you care about them. And you want to see them kind of, you know, make something of each other. And, uh, and that works, you know, I mean, and if it wasn't for them and it, and it has real heart, you know, like it's a, you know, I mean, it's almost a film you could watch with your family, you know, um, there's like only a couple like, you know, severed heads and stuff like not anything too crazy, but it's Uh, so (laughs) cartoony. It's like, it's pretty over the top in the, in the violence, like in the way that it's not over the top where it's like Tarantino where there's blood flowing everywhere. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's kind of cartoony violence. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I would say that's that's apt, and it's uh yeah, but it's it's sweet and it's it's straight up. I mean, it's a comedy. It's a British comedy. So yeah. if that's your thing, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's an alien invasion film through and through. And I that's had a great a choice, man. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I love Grabbers. And, I forgot and about that one. Yeah, so many people did not see this movie. Um, right. You know, so I, I hope more check it out. Um, I think it's even on Hulu right now too. So easy, easy to see. So definitely, sure. definitely go for that. Um, wanted to do another throwback film. That's definitely, I wanted the, the last two to be like, like heart, like horror, like full on, you know, alien horror stuff. Um, so my number four film, actually, I don't remember what year this was. Um, but it is, and this is controversial for me to say right now. Um, but maybe his best film, Toby Hooper's life force. Yes. Um, not his best movie, but go on. <laughs> Yeah, so Toby Hooper, better known uh, as the director of Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre and not the director of Poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, look, Life Force is, and look, I, I, I don't think it's better than Texas Chainsaw, but I think it has a weird soft place in my heart that will always matter because I saw this movie when no one else did. Um, it was a, so I, I would get videotapes and we would record um, at my grandmother's house, she got HBO for free. And I think I told the story last time, but one of the, one of the, you know, in random movies would come on, you know, and I had no idea what they would be. And like one of those movies was life force and it blew me away. And also as a kid, I was like seeing like this, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. At the yeah. Time. I was going to say that movie's just that. loaded with boobs. <laughs> yeah. It's a very sexual <laughs> film, which was like a weird thing for, you know, 11 year old me to see. But, uh, but man, like life force is, I mean, it's straight up horror. You know, the concept sounds absurd. And I mean, maybe, maybe it is. I mean, it's, it's definitely part really Scott alien, you know, there's huge alien influence. It's also part vampire and then definitely part zombie, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's fucking wild. And you're like, how does that work? But like, I think it works. Um, and all told, and, and, and for modern films, like, you know, Species and Under the Skin, I think yeah. there's other films that I think borrow a lot from the way in which uh, Life Force understands the use of femininity and, and these women controlling these men in all these different ways. And I think there's, there's something to say about that. But Dude, I didn't think about that, but la- I think it was last week or the week before. I rewatched Species and I talked about it and I compared it to Under the Skin, but I completely, Life Force slipped my mind. But that's, that, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, 
when you think about them, like they they clearly borrow from these same conceits, and and it's, yeah. it has something to talk about with, um, you know, with feminism. And I think there's there's something really interesting about that. Um, Patrick Stewart has a completely ridiculous part in it uh, for yeah. like a brief moment. Um, it's uh, it's funny, but it's also played serious. Um, and then again, it turns into a fucking apocalyptic zombie movie by the end of it. I mean, it's. Totally. It's wild, um, but I, I love Life Force, and it's also another one that uh, I think was effectively done. I think the gore is really cool at times. I think um, there's really cool effects. It's interesting. Um, it's, it's definitely a genre mashup, but, uh, but look, I think, I think Toby did a fantastic job. The score is so good. The score is so yeah. really good. Um, but I, I fucking love Life Force. Like, yeah, I mean, if, if if we're not talking about like uh, Poltergeist, because if you'd say he didn't direct it, whatever, I, I'm with you. But like, that's definitely the movie that you see Toby Hooper work with scope, whereas you mm-hmm. didn't see him do that at all with Texas Chainsaw. Whereas Texas Chainsaw, I think, is a better movie. I see where you're coming from. Where Life Force is just like it's a huge movie. It feels big. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, and that's the, yeah, it's it's really weird to see him on like in that territory. I guess similar yeah. with uh, what was that? Funhouse. Yeah, he. I guess he kind of did it. Like this, uh, Life Force is definitely better than Funhouse, which like, Funhouse like is fun good house. too. Funhouse is, fun house is fun. It has a very fun uncomfortable house. scene, but Tool all his movies do. You know, I mean, Toby's yeah. Toby's had his had his moments. I'm not I'm not taking you away. Like I have. Like you know, Toby's Toby's one of the horror icons, and as he totally. should be. Yeah. Um, but uh, and again, I'm I'm seeing the praises of Life Force for a reason. But yeah, this was this was like a guy with a lot of ideas being given a lot of money in a in a time period when that happened, and he made his like everything in the kitchen sink, you know, horror, alien invasion, sex, thriller, zombie, vampire movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's totally fucking wild. And, uh, you know, and, and it's fun. I, I, I put it back on, I rewatched it, uh, before we talked and, uh, you know, to kind of, to see if it was going to make the list or not. And holds up. It, it, it totally holds up. I mean, yeah. it, and it is, the scope is huge. I mean, there's, el- there's helicopter explosions and shit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big movie, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so life force, that was, that was number four. Awesome. Great and pick. Then, so this is your last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have one bonus pick that's a little. I was going to say, if you want, you can like you can mention as many bonus picks as you want. But uh, you've done you've done a great job today. But let's hear your your final pick. Uh, So my final pick, my final pick is uh, the 2008 horror film Splinter. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. So this is uh, starring Shea Wiggum and then um, one of the funny looking dude from Road Trip. Uh, Yeah. Basically. There's a guy who dies at the open, which is which is Skinny Pete from uh, Breaking Bad, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's basically there's there's something, some type of alien thing has like landed in this wooded area, and a person gets killed, and it's parasitic, and it kind of gets into your blood, and then it pushes out these like like you know spear like splinters like out of you, and it can control your body, and it gets very kind of invasion of the body snatchers in a way, but it's a very small film. It really all takes place almost entirely at one gas station. And but it's fucking gnarly. Like it is some of the best practical effects like of any movie of that decade. Like any movie of that decade. Um, it's tight, it's tense, it's like, you know, like under 90 minutes. Um, the movie's relentless. Like it gets started, and it's great because it's really four people. There's a couple who are like traveling, and then there's this other couple who has, um, they're criminals and Shea Wiggum and he's got his, uh, um, addict, you know, wife 
and they hijack the this other couple that's that's traveling. They they um you know uh they they, they hijack their car and then they stop at this gas station when um you know hell starts to basically break loose and they're kind of stuck together. So it's great because there's already tension between these characters and then you have to see this arc and Shea Wiggum, by the way, talk about another amazing character Dude, that does not so, so underrated and underutilized. Like he, he's yeah. an incredible actor and he's yeah. so good in that movie. He carries that movie in my opinion. Oh no. Oh, complete. Like his turn as an actor, I think is what really sells it. It makes it work. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a movie where I think their decisions are smart. I think that uh, the acting is good. And I think that, it knows what to do. I mean, the only complaint I would ever have is that sometimes, in order to hide some of the limitations, the the editing gets a little shaky cam. In that's order to that's my that. main thing. Yeah. yeah so and that's that's really just uh, in the action sequences. But I mean, fuck. I mean, when they yeah, they're covering up some stuff. Like they're working with what they have, and uh, yeah. that's a uh, boozy. One, my other co-host here, he adores that movie. We actually we did an episode on it a couple months ago. And yeah, oh, that's really? that. That's how I felt about it, is that like it's it's a definitely a cool movie, and I think a lot of people really like it. But that's a, the shaky cam thing is the only thing that really turned me off. But I totally understand why it's there. But yeah, I'd love to, to see hide, them work with work with a uh, bigger budget. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he did like the Grudge Three or something after that. I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. Something. Something. But um, but look, I mean, it's it's just you know, when they're like piecing together all of these body parts of other people to make this like monster thing, like it's just fucking gnarly. Yeah. It's um, pretty cool. And when, when the, there's a whole probably like four minute sequence when, um, Shea Wiggum gets infected in his arm and without giving it away, like that whole sequence of events that they have to do to deal with that is so fucking awesome. Like, yeah, it's gnarly. It's just, it's uh, they just kind of ratchet it up to an eleven, and uh, but uh, I love Splinter, and I and um, I should have I should have like looked and seen if you guys had called it out. I didn't realize you had. Called oh, it dude, out, but... no, that's totally fine, and that's I like that you're. It's always great when you give a shout out to another movie that we've already covered. Like that just gives more people more reason to check it out if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially a, a movie like Splinter. I, I that's a movie that I didn't even know existed before we started the podcast. Oh wow! Bo- yeah. Boozy, yeah, Boozy introduced me to that film. Yeah, I don't even know where I first saw it, but uh, but yeah, it was during you know when I was first like starting out as a writer, as a filmmaker, and um, and a horror, and I was watching everything horror. And Splinter was one of those ones that kind of you know really really stood the test of time, and and uh, and I rewatched it uh, maybe a year or so ago, and it held up completely. You know, like it held up. It's it's yeah. a blast. There's a lot of movies from that era that just like a lot of independent, like all the best horror from that era was independent horror, in my opinion. Yeah, there was also a really good stretch of foreign horror at that time, too. Totally, yeah. You know, yeah. like Inside, yes. uh, you know, God, yeah. there's, yeah, Frontiers. Um, Man, I've been trying to see Frontiers for years. I can't find a copy of it anywhere. Really? You've never honestly, saw it? Wow. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I tried finding it online recently because I've, I've heard, I've been, that's one movie that I've been looking for forever. And I'm not a downloader. I'm not a guy who tries to pirate stuff. But I did find like a copy just on on a website because I, I'm so desperate to see it. And sure. it was someone else's. <laughs> someone uploaded their shitty ass low budget western, like a really, really, really bad western, <laughs> and called Frontiers. <laughs> so I was um, like, oh motherfucker! I was like, man, because I, I think that movie came out like ten. Years. It came out a while ago, didn't it? Oh, it's been it's more than ten years. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's been... 2007, I think. Yeah, it would have been it's a, a, it's a yeah, French extreme stretch. movie. 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's basically it's uh it's Texas Chainsaw with with uh, Nazis. Yeah, you know? dude. I, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, it sounds like Green Room meets Texas Chainsaw, which sounds like something I need in my life, and I I can't find it anywhere. I but I've, tried, more I've tried finding it everywhere. Both of them combined. Really? Like, yeah. Oh my oh, god! Totally. Like the violence awesome. is like two and eleven. Um, yeah, Frontiers is a fucking blast. But yeah, th- that it. was wow. That's so weird. I didn't think about that. In fact, I might even I I'd have to look at my storage unit. I'm Dude, I thought I had a DVD of Frontiers. Like, I thought I owned a DVD. I might have it be a DVD version, not a Blu-ray, but I might have an old DVD of Frontiers. If I do, I'll mail it to you. Um, That'd but, be great because uh, I would no, love. I I so badly want to see it. Yeah, like that was like th- those. Th- there were like four at that time. It was Frontiers, Inside, um, and then uh, uh, Eden mm-hmm. Lake. Oh um, my God, so and, good. Yeah, you know, uh, which is another one, and then uh, and then Martyrs. I feel yeah, like martyrs those perfect. four were like these, you know, foreign, uh, and, and even in like just UK, but just, uh, just these like European, like ho- extreme horror films that just fuck you up. They uh, were up in the ante from across the world. Oh my God. Completely, yeah. completely, you know, and it's why all of those directors have gone on to do like amazing things, um, since then. But, um, but yeah, but splinter, you know, in that same, same time period where, you know, they push the gore, they push the tension and, and it's effective. Um, I would say, uh, uh, oh, another little small bonus one, um, doesn't really count, but when we were talking about alien, you know, I, I was really excited when Neil Blomkamp was going to do alien. Oh, I thought that would yeah. be such a fucking rad movie and we're never going to get it, unfortunately. But, uh, but in 2017, he did make a short film. It's uh, like 20, 20 minutes or so, uh, called like Raka or Raku. Yeah. Or through Oats Studios. Yeah, it's a fucking if, blast. Yeah, if you it's, just uh, look up on on YouTube, if you just search Oats Studios, you'll find these all of the all of his short films. And fuck yeah, Raka is amazing. Raka is so good, and it's it's probably the closest we're going to get to any kind of alien movie, you know, it, you know, out of the District Nine world at least um, from him. So yeah. it's a good one. That's an alien invasion thing to to pick up. Um, I also would recommend uh, Jason Eisner's segment in VHS two. Which I think is is a fantastic oh, yeah. alien invasion segment. Which ends is that, that the house the house one? Is that the one where they're having like a sleepover? Yeah, well, it's yeah, a, with, yeah, it's a bunch dog. of kids and uh, they're playing pranks on each other, and right. uh, and then during the during the, the they're videotaping the pranks is basically the found footage concept, yeah. and then during one of the pranks, uh, an alien spaceship lands and yeah, that's a that was a solid one. Yeah, yeah, I was lucky to uh, before I, I saw like an early cut of the film, and they were trying to figure out the placement of like where those movies go, and that has my favorite uh, horror short of like maybe all time, um, which is uh, Gareth uh, Gareth Evans. Yeah, uh, the, the cult one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can I yeah. think of, what can I name right now? But anyway, but that one just fucking blew me away, and uh, so so we were talking about like what should be. And I was like, well, you can't end on that. It's so bleak. But yeah. like you could have more fun with his at the end. They moved, they switched the ending around and made that the ending film, um, which I think was smart. But uh, yeah, yeah totally. Jason Eisner's an amazing director, and I'm really excited. He's got a movie coming out too soon. He did the new, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring series, 
That's oh, so good, man. Nice. I've been watching that recently. Yeah, that's the same director. That's Jason Eisner. So. Oh, crazy. Yeah, he's been doing yeah. a great job, man, because I'm uh, I'm just getting into wrestling now. <laughs> like, I, I never was into wrestling as a kid, but uh, we've made friends with some wrestlers, some professional Canadian wrestlers, and we've been going to live events before all this COVID stuff hit. And now I'm b- getting really interested in, like, the old school wrestling events, and Dark Side of the Ring is amazing. Yeah, it's a really good show a, that I. It's I a really good way to learn watch. about what what I missed out on. Like you know, there's yeah. so many twisted things behind the scenes of oh, that so, that whole environment. So yeah. yeah, I mean it's an app title. Yeah, it's so dark and there's so much shit going on. I mean even well in uh, in Scare Package, you know, we have Dustin Rhodes, who's uh, Gold Dust in WWE. Yeah. You know whatever his Dustin Rhodes, I think it just he goes by in uh, AEW. Yeah. But that's uh, huge. but I mean he has stories too. You know, I mean there there's just these people have been through so much shit to kind of realize what was really happening and like what they did to their bodies, uh, what they did to their minds, their families, like to kind of make this stuff happen. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy, but yeah, it's a great, that's a great series. Um, even if you're not a wrestling fan, it's just dramatic and worth watching. Totally. Um, but, uh, but yeah, his segment though is so fucking good. Um, and VHS too. And then, um, my last, uh, bonus pick, I would say, um, cause it's not really a horror film, um, but it's definitely an alien and, and it's kind of a twist for me to even say it's alien invasion. It's definitely cause you, you don't really know what's going on the whole time, but it definitely is dealing with aliens. Um, and that's uh 2014's the signal from William Eubank. Um, still haven't seen it. Oh my I've God. I've heard it's great. Yeah. I've heard it's awesome. But so, I, it's another one. I just haven't been able to find anywhere. I'm obsessed with it. Like I'm obsessed yeah. with the signal. And I think, uh, well, no, wait, are you, are you, you're probably thinking of, wait, are you thinking of the, the 2007 David Bruckner, the signal? I think that's the one I'm thinking of because Bruckner is who I'm kind of, uh, like, I love him. <laughs> I love his movies. Uh, okay. Now I'm looking up. Oh yeah. No, I, I know of this film, but I'm definitely talking about William. Br- uh, I'm definitely talking about Bruckner's movie. Yeah, so Bruckner, who's doing the new Hellraiser, that's fucking amazing. Dude, I'm so... Yeah. That, that fucking announcement is perfect. He's a, such a great person. And who do they have writing it? They have someone really good writing it. Yeah, so it's Luke Piotrowski and Ben, ben Davis Collins are writing. Um, what what else ben, have they done? Ben Collins. They wrote Super Dark Times. Yes. Yeah, and, which is a great good. movie. That's really on good, yes. Yeah. And then they also wrote... Uh, they wrote Siren, um, starring Chase Williamson, yeah. who's in Scare Package. And then they also wrote, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a movie, I can't remember the name of it, but it's Bruckner's new film that is at Sundance, that was at Sundance and it's coming out later this year um, that everybody says is amazing. I can't remember the name of it, but um, but yeah, they're they're blowing up. Uh, ben Collins, I think it is, not Ben David Collins. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Either way, like, I, I love Hellraiser and I'd lo- I think that's one that's definitely like right for a remake, even though like I love the original. I'm always, I'm down to see a different uh, depiction. Yeah, I knew, especially from a guy like him, like the ritual and like, uh, I like amateur night is that's probably my favorite short ever because it scared the living shit out of me. Oh man, that was another, that was another like theater experience at South by Southwest. Well, I mean, and that was part of the reason why I, you know, got back into film was after watching VHS that night and, um, it was South by Southwest. Every filmmaker was there. Everybody's like, you know, it's midnight. I was super sick, but I had to go because I was seeing Adam again. I went to Adam Wingard. I went to film school with, and I wanted to go there and you know see everybody and support them. And I toughed it out. And then I remember the first. It's the opening segment, and I'm and she, especially when it ends with her like flying away and like oh, dropping. So good. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I know. Like the crowd was 
clapping and cheering when it was over. It was like, holy shit. I think that was Siren's based on it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I get that Siren was, uh, you know, definitely didn't have the budget that they probably wanted, but I still think they did a really, they made a really fun movie out of it. It was a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed that movie for what it was, but that segment, that segment, that's that short is forever implanted in my brain. And I'll never forget the feeling like I also was, I was going through a really bad breakup at the time. And I just started watching that. Like I watched that like the day afterwards and I was like, Oh, I'm, never going on a date ever again or <laughs> i'm not <laughs> no but like that's i don't know that that segment scared the shit out of me yeah no it's um yeah it, it's crazy like those that first segment and then the last segment of the first vhs which was done yeah. by the radio silence guys yeah they're um, great yeah you know who who have another they got their big movie coming out as well and they did ready or not which is also fantastic and they're, they're so good. But yeah, everybody kind of blew up from that. But Bruckner in particular, like I knew a few friends who were finalists for Hellraiser. Like that's, that had been circulating for a while. And, uh, but, but everybody was like, yeah, David is best. Because David was going to do the new Friday the 13th as well. And oh, yeah. I, li- I listened to his, uh, his best movies never made. That's a great podcast. And he was on that recently talking about it. And it sounded great. Yeah, it would have been a fucking. Was he talking about the found footage one? Yeah, like it, yeah. and and even though like obviously no one wants a found footage Jason movie, the way that he was going about it, it's like, hey, this is a guy who actually understands how to do this. How to, if if we're gonna have to have a found footage movie, he knows how to get it done. Oh my god, does he? And have, it's yeah. it sounded really cool, and the ritual just blew me away. I loved that movie. That's on Netflix. If people haven't seen the ritual, that's a great horror movie to watch. Yeah, and I mean, look, this is probably a bold statement for people to hear, especially with like names like Ari Aster and Jordan Peele and Mike Flanagan. But I truly believe, and I'm not saying this because we're you know friendly. Um, I think David Bruckner is the best pure horror director on the planet. I oh, absolutely wow. believe it. I think it, um, and and I think I mean even even in the new Creep Show, the best episodes of the new Creep Show are the Bruckner one. Is the Bruckner one? You know, did so, he do the werewolf one? Uh, no, which, which did, ones did he do? He did the one where it was the scarecrow thing that was coming back. Right. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, I do like the werewolf one though too. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. But, but I just, I just think he's amazing. I think it's, it's going to be so fucking, and the fact that it's, you know, Ben and Luke writing it, it's just, it's just weird. It's like crazy to me that like Hellraiser is such an iconic franchise to me. And then like people that I'm friendly with are making this movie now and I know we're going to kill it. And it's just, it's super fucking cool. That's so like, exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. It's so, so wild. Um, oh, but so he got his start though, making 2007's the signal with AJ Bowen and Tom Poitras and those guys, um, or Tom Poitras, but uh, Poitras, um, and, uh, Scott Poitras, excuse me. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's a good movie. Um, it's, it's violent as fuck. It's him and, uh, uh, actually, the director of, uh, of Signal or um, Siren, excuse me, is actually what who they worked on that together. It was co-directed. Yeah. Um, but uh, Greg Bishop, that's his name. But uh, but look, that movie's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I really like that movie. That was like the, one of the first big like Sundance horror films that happened and blew up and you know became a, a big deal. But uh, in 2014, there was um, it's a sci-fi film that actually played at Sundance. Um, it stars like Olivia Cook. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, um, yeah, and it has uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, but it's about a group of these really smart kids who are hacking, and somebody hacked into MIT, and they found out who the hacker was, and they're sending this like signal back and forth, and they're trying to track 
where this hacker is because this hacker is toying with them. And when they go to find this hacker, there's um, basically an alien type encounter thing that happens. And then they wake up in this room and the whole movie changes. And you're, you, start, you slowly start to realize that the whole movie is told from a, like a very unorthodox, you know, out of order sequence of events. And you're trying to like figure it out. And I think for some people it can be complicated and it's frustrating. But if you're willing to get through that and really pay attention, I think it's not just good, I think it's actually brilliant. And when people, and I've read some reviews like, oh, it's like overly complicated for no reason or whatever, and it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, no, it does. You're just not willing to, to take the time to like understand it and understand what they're trying to say. And, uh, and it definitely, you know, there's something alien that's happened and there's experiments being done on them. The one kid is crippled and all of a sudden he gets like these bionic legs. And, and it's, 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 it's definitely, it's very polished. It's, um, it's amazing. And, and, and the reason why, part of the reason why I bring it up is because I just saw uh, a few months ago, I saw Underwater. Oh, dude, and, I was just about to bring that up. Like, so this is the same director as Underwater, which uh, for frequent listeners of the Terror Table, we've been blowing that movie to no end the last couple months. Amazing. We all yeah. loved it. We all three of us loved it. It's so fucking good. One of the best and, January movies in a long time. Yeah, I can't believe that he got like a hundred million dollars to make that movie or whatever it was. It's ridiculous. I just feel uh, like, well, I'm, I'm like, honestly, he's lucky that it got out in January before all this shit happened. But at the same time, like, that's a movie that it would have killed in a July setting. Like, it's the, it's a great movie. It's, it's a so really good movie. It's not than, a Jan, it's not yeah. a January movie. No, it's so much better than anybody has given it credit for, and I think. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's phenomenally done. It, it's definitely his homage to Alien, you know, with, but with an underwater creature. Totally. So it's apt. Yeah. It's apt to even talk about here. But but if but look, there's a reason why he was given all the money to make that movie. Because who would give you that much money to do something as crazy as that? And it was through the signal. And if you watch the signal and you see how polished, how beautiful the score, there are scenes in this movie that are in, genuinely inspiring to me. And it's one of the films where uh, my ex-girlfriend and I, when we first watched it a few years ago, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, what did I just watch? And I was like, wait a second, how is that that? And I was trying to figure it out. I immediately watched the movie again. And we were like watching it. And then since then, I now own it. I've probably seen it a dozen times. And it's not horror. Um, so that's why I didn't put it in my list. Yeah, but, but um, yeah. It's I appreciate so you still mentioning it. Good. Like, yeah, it's in my, I'm putting it on, it's number one on my list now, man. I'm going to be checking it out this weekend. Yeah, great, great. I mean, and again, it's another like emotionally wrought film, you know, that's dealing yeah. with um, all these personal issues. And there's like a breakup where this girl's like going away to school and how they tie together. And I mean, dude, it, it, it makes me cry. It also has Lynn Shay in it at one point. Yeah, part. she's great, always. Yeah, so it's um, a great cast, great performances. And there's a reason why this dude, you know, blew up after it. Um, I mean, they, and they have a budget. This isn't a low-budget movie. I mean, it's polished. Like, it, shit's happening in this movie that they spent spent some time on. And it, like, like I said, it premiered at fucking Sundance. You know, I mean, it was a thing. But then after that, for whatever reason, just pitted out. And uh, and I think it got it got written off as just this movie that they thought the director wanted to be too clever. And I just I just couldn't disagree more. I, I think he is that clever. I think it is executed that well. And I can't I can't sing its praises enough. Awesome, man! I'm so excited to take the, take a look at that one and uh, to revisit monsters. And I'm also like, I'm going to revisit Grabbers now and yeah. Life Force. 
because the other ones I've, and my, uh, the other ones I've seen recently. So yeah, that's exciting, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, awesome. Fun. Thank thank you so much for joining us again, Aaron. This this has been so much fun. You're you're a true horror fan, and it's a complete treat to talk to you. And it's so exciting knowing that there's someone like you out there making horror movies for us. Uh, like, just so you know, we we have a pretty moderate listener fan base here that uh, listens. We all talk about horror movies at all times. And I know I can speak for everyone that we all appreciate what you do, what you do for this community and and the the love and care that you put into this stuff. You can just hear it from listening to you for five minutes. You you're a horror fan. You love this stuff. And it's amazing. And we can't thank you enough. This this oh, has been awesome, man. That's so so cool. Thank you so much. And yeah, look, I just uh, I don't like talking about myself, but I love talking about movies. You know, which ends up being talking about things that I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. So it's it. It's my life in every way. Um, I mean, I'm gonna fucking watch a movie when I'm done talking to you. You know. Fucking right. So so, so am I. I might do the signal. <laughs> oh sweet. Yeah. Let me let me know um, and uh, what you think. But uh, absolutely, man. Yeah. No. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and for supporting Scare Package and the Pale Door and. Um, when those movies, uh, you know, come out or whatever, I'm uh, happy to come back on and talk again anytime, anytime. Yeah, dude, we'd love to. Whenever you want to come on, just let us know. We'd love to have you on. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, dude. Well, stay safe. And uh, thank you so much for joining us again. And uh, that'll that'll be all for this week or this special episode of The Terror Table. You can hear us next week, which I guess will be tomorrow. This is not natural because we're this is actually a bonus episode. But uh, tomorrow we'll be uploading an episode on Annihilation, which will be closing out our alien invasion series. But until then, stay spooky, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>